Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to our special episode of The Breakdown. As always, I want to invite you to like us and subscribe to us if you're, if you're watching us on YouTube. If you're listening via podcast, please write a review. Uh, that's how more people can learn about us. More people can be exposed to Disruption Now. And for now, it's my pleasure uh, to be your moderator. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm James Keyes. I'm Tunde Ogunlana. And I'm Carlton Washington. Welcome to Disruption Now. It is March Madness, March Madness, March Madness. We're all excited. We're all ready to go, all ready to get our brackets filled out. It's, a, it's an exciting, fun time. Uh, but as you may know, the NCAA is a business. It's a multi-billion dollar business. But here's the thing. The products of that business, which are the players, don't get any money. Can't make any money at all. And the argument is that they're getting a special opportunity to go to school, so that should be enough. The fact that they get to go to school on a full, on a full ride, that's enough for the billions of dollars that they produce. But is that enough? Is that right? Should they be paid? And, and, and are these players actually being exploited? Uh, with me today is my illustrious panel to actually discuss this, and I think we can just start with that. What is your take on the fact that the NCAA is a multi-billion dollar business, which is exactly what it is, and the, and the people that make this business valuable, the players, don't get a single dollar at all, ever, to actually participate in any of that wealth. What's your thought? Anybody can start. I think it's pretty pathetic, especially once you see what happens to a lot of these athletes on the back end. So, you know, if you've ever spent time, I know Tunde was a, a college athlete. If you ever spent time with a college athlete, uh, my wife, for instance, um, and many others that I've been exposed to, they spend a huge amount of time practicing um, for their craft of whatever sport that it is uh, and a very little bit of, amount of time having the benefit of what college is all about, which is the social interaction and the academics. Um, and so when they leave, I see many of them at a huge disadvantage. And I find myself asking them and myself a lot of time, what was it all for? You got a degree to get some crappy ass job, you know, and, and you, you're never able to get out the mindset of an athlete. So it really scars them sometimes for life. So, yeah, they, I don't know if, if money's the answer because then that kind of takes away from what is a professional. But at the same time, I think that the stringent restrictions that they're under are very unnecessary, um, very archaic. And I think that that they need to get more benefits from what they're doing uh, because a lot of these people are left wandering and, and, and uh, trying to figure out and uh, picking up the pieces after NCAA uh, career in college. Um, that that really didn't give them anything after just playing a game. Right. Tunde, I know you, you've played in college. And so you, I imagine you have a pretty unique perspective on this. What's your thoughts? Um, yeah, no, it's interesting. I'm kind of torn between both. I mean, I agree a hundred percent with Carlton that I think that people should, you know, get paid for the merits of their work or, or I don't know if money is the answer directly, but, but, you know, there should be some sort of compensation and, the the thing that the reason why I say that mostly is is not so much for the playing. I get the idea of if you go to Duke University, North Carolina, or where I was at school, FIU. Um, there's value to having a scholarship and for you know for the idea of the education and all that. I just think that when you look at the NCAA as an institution, we all know about March Madness, for example, for basketball. We know about college football the billions, tens of billions of dollars a year that gets made and the coaches are earning salaries in, in the big schools of, of low to middle seven figures per year, you know, two to $5 million a year. 
I'm just saying that it seems like everybody's making money except the actual people producing the output uh, for the most part, which is the kids on the, on the field or on the court or in the batting cage. So I feel like there should be some sort of way that that money trickles down to them. Now, do I think I look back at myself as, as a basketball player kid when I was 18, 20 years old, should I have earned, should I have received money at that age? I don't think so. Cause I don't think it would be here right now for me to benefit from, but could that money have been put into some sort of trust or even an IRA, something that would have said, because I think to Carlton's point, he's right. I'm, I feel like almost looking back, I'm lucky that I didn't make it and that I knew I wasn't going to make it by the time I was probably a sophomore because my mind was already like, all right, I got to figure out another way I'm going to live my life because I'm not going to make the NBA. So by the time I was, I was 22, 23, I was already in the, in the corporate business field, but I have a lot of friends that's rare, right? I mean, right? You, you oh, are fortunate. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting at is I had a lot of friends that they were good enough. They, they might not have been good enough to make the NBA, but they were good enough to go overseas or do something. They might have made 50 to 150 grand for a couple of years while they were in their early to mid-20s. Again, most people in their early to mid-20s aren't going to make the right decisions with that kind of money. So by the time, to Carlton's point, like by the time they were 30, they were coming back kind of washed up. And the best job they got right now is like a high school basketball coach. And I think, you know, for a guy like that to maybe have 100 grand, you know, in some sort of trust or a retirement account when he's 35, 40, you know, that just might give them that kind of confidence, that right. boost is, okay, it wasn't all for nothing. I, I still have something for that, that effort that I put in. And I feel like it's right. the coaches, it's the sportscasters, it's the corporate execs in the, in the sports media. They all make the money. And it's, it's almost like, and I hate to say it, like the plantation where the guys actually doing the work end up with nothing unless you're that literally that 1% that makes it to the professional side. James, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, I'm, I'm actually surprised by the paternalism here. Um, you know, this is a, a market economy. And if you have a marketable skill, you are able to be remunerated for that. The NCAA is a cartel. They unfairly deprive people of earnings that they should be entitled to because they create them. Why should their earnings be capped at a certain amount? Because that's what we think. Or why should they only get their money at a certain time? Because that's what we think. Why do we have our hands in other people's pockets? The NCAA, now here's, I, I'll say this. If you're talking just the money that's made in the stadium, I think that's a fair trade. Hey, it, we'll keep the money we make in the stadium. You get a scholarship. You know, that's, we would have these games in the stadium no matter what. But when you start putting this on television, when you start selling and merchandising and things like that and, and really ramp up the dollars, the people who are generating that money are entitled to that money based on the economic system we all, we all believe in, the way that we subscribe to. Everybody is against socialism except when it comes to college football and college basketball players. And I think the issue only is an issue in revenue-driven sports. And when you put something on television, then the players need to get a cut of that because that the school doesn't do any extra work in order to get the, that stuff on television. They're not spending any more money to get it on television. That's all gravy for them. And the thing is, the schools already are jerking these guys around. We have business owners on here. Carlton, you, you run a very successful clinic. Do you pay your employees in your services that you already provide? Well, how would that work if you say, hey, hey I'm not going to give you any cash, but you can have as much you know, of the services we provide for free? That's ridiculous. These schools are in the business of providing education and they pay you with, with education. It's like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go work, you know, at Ford, right. but all I get is a car out of it. 
That's crazy. It's it's you nuts, know, and it's not un-American. It's un-American. So so Charles Barkley. Let me let me just do this. So Charles Barkley has a very different view from you. Charles Barkley says, "When did it all become about money?" Just listen to his clip a little bit. Dan said, "When did we ever get to the point where all people care about is money?" Shaq played college for two years. Three. Three. Kenny played for four. I played for three. Michael Jordan played for three. Tim Duncan played for four. David Robinson played for four. Some of the greatest players ever. Wilt Chamberlain, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson played. When we get to the point where you got clowns on television saying, oh, don't play. That's what you do, Ernie. That's what we do. We play basketball. So he's, he's railing on the people that are talking about Zion Williams sitting out and, and, and not finishing if he might be a little bit injured because he should be more worried about his money in the future. So he goes on like, I hate all these people talking. He says, hate. I hate all these people saying, like, he should just sit out. When did it become all about the money? Like, what world is he in? Uh, well, he should work for TNT. He should work for TNT for free cable. That's what he should do. <laughs> and, and, and then tell me it's because it's not about the money. You know, he, would, he can get a free cable package, and that'll be his, his compensation. For yeah, I, I concur, man. Charles forgot where he came from. Man. Yeah, I know. I love Charles. Charles, Charles, Charles is all about the money, man. And I run into him countless times when we were in Atlanta. Countless times. All he's all about the money and the women, man. So I can't even believe what's coming out of his mouth, man. People get money, forget where they come from. You know, come, please, man. He's definitely not the one who needs to be talking about about morals and ethics when it comes to making money and stuff, man. I'm going to – I just feel I have a, an interesting perspective because not only did I play in it, but I also, as now a wealth manager and having my own firm, I've had clients that are professional athletes. And so I see it on both sides. And – Carlton's right. You know, I remember when I was in college, I mean, we had two-a-day practices. I mean, I'm glad the NCAA honestly has rules about when we could practice when we couldn't because, again, and I hate – I don't want to make the comparison in terms of like a slavery thing, but just the mentality of a plantation owner and a college coach, again, not from a racial standpoint at all am I making that comment. I'm just making that – these guys are so focused on winning, these coaches, that they looked at us as tools for their own success. Let me put it that way. So there's nothing racial in my comment. And they would have worked some of us to death, literally, if they didn't have the NSA rules that say you can't work out at this time of the year or that time of the year. Because I remember there was times we had two-a-day practices, and physically we were done. Like, you couldn't go to class and study and be alert for in the class. Like, you just were physically done. And so in one way, if, if you're expected to be a good student and you're kind of being treated as a professional athlete while you're not called a professional athlete, that's kind of weird. And then the second thing is I remember I have um, one client of mine who um, um, he's retired now, but when he was in the NBA a few years ago, one of the things that I remember seeing from kind of when we were doing his taxes and his income and all that he got about $150,000, uh, 1099 from EA Sports. And that's because right. it, it, this was part of just and, – and, and he got the same amount as a Michael Jordan or LeBron James. You know, that I'm was the Ed O'Bannon case. His right? name. But, yeah it's, yeah, it's the thing is that because they just all were – if we play the game, whether it's the last guy on the bench or the superstar, they all get paid from their name and their likeness being taken by EA Sports right. or NBA Live. I can go play the same video game for NCAA in college, but those players don't get paid, even though no. their likeness and their numbers on the same college team is being used 
and and EA Sports and the PlayStation, everyone else, right. and Xbox is making money. So that's, that's where I just have that, an issue. That's, like, that's such a point because, you yeah. know, the Ed O'Bannon case where the federal judge ruled that that was illegal, EA Sports said, we just won't make the games anymore. They don't make the college games anymore yeah. for that reason. <laughs> hey, look, we're not going to pay them. So we just won't make the games but that, anymore. That's why, that's why it's messed up. Like, yeah, it's crazy. And, and, others, and others just limit it, you know, and I want to get to that. That's actually The a funny thing. thing is I pay the same amount of money for both games as a consumer. <laughs> so why isn't the guy that's performing – that makes me buy the game. Why isn't he getting compensated? So oh, there's an answer to that. Yeah, there's a reason. And, and James, I want you to actually get into that a little bit. But first, I want to play this clip, this clip from uh, Donald Day LaHaye, who was a, a, a student at, I believe it was FIU. And um, he was a kicker. Central Florida, at, I believe. Central Florida. Thank you. He was a, he was a kicker at Central Florida. He came at FIU, though. Yeah. <laughs> FIU was in my brain because of you. But he was a, he was a kicker there. And... He was making YouTube videos and in the YouTube videos, of course, it mentioned he was a player and he was starting to make a good amount of income off of that. And the NCAA being the NCAA, you know, actually, I'm going to play the clip and we can listen to that on, on the other side. I guess I can't make any videos that make it obvious that I'm a student athlete because that makes it seem like I'm using my likeness in my image to make money and all this, which I'm really not. So... I don't know, man. The NCAA has like a 400 page rule book and, you know, they probably don't even let you take a in certain locations. You know, the NCAA came down on him, as you can tell. He was very upset about it. And they are they basically said he had to either stop making YouTube videos or he's or he's going to have to lose a scholarship. And he he stopped going to college because he made more money uh, actually being on YouTube. But I just think it's inherently unfair and I want you actually to break down, James, what it means to use your, likeli- your, your likeness and image and how much of that they actually exploit and what that actually means. Well, that, that's an interesting point because the issue is more so that the NCAA makes you sign away your ability to use your likeness to profit for their own sole benefit. And it's perpetual. They say, hey, we can use your image, your picture, you know, your, your, your likeness um, to profit from that in perpetuity. And you cannot. Uh, while you're in school, you know, that, like that part. But I, I want to touch on one point before I go into that a little bit further. There's a clear reason why this system is the way it is. And our capitalist system and our market system, and this is not a criticism on our market system or a capitalist system. It's an acknowledgement of reality that should be very obvious to everyone. Nobody gives you something because you're fairly entitled to it. That's not how it works. You have to demand it and you have to disrupt things in order to make it happen yep. or else you're not going to get it. You know, professional athletes couldn't get it, couldn't leave a job when their contract was up for decades. Yep. They weren't allowed. They, could, they were not allowed to leave. They, they, your contract is up. You can only negotiate with the team that you just had. And yep. guess what? That means they could pay you a lot less because you can't negotiate with anymore. That was the status quo for decades. It took lawsuits. It took the union stepping it in and unions. becoming stronger to be able to withstand that so that people could have the opportunity to say, hey, I want to negotiate with other teams when my contract is up. That stuff, they weren't going to just give them that. Nobody's going to give you something in a market system like this unless you demand it, unless you demand it in a way that makes them uncomfortable to where they have to give it to you. That's when it's going to happen. And it's not going to happen for the NCAA athletes until they demand it through unions, through lawsuits. It's working through courts now through lawsuits. Um, 
And it's, it, that's the only way that it's going to happen because the NCAA is never going to say, hey, you know what? No. It would be fair. You know, we know we gave people scholarships back when we used to make $10,000 a year and we still give people scholarships. And now that we make, you know, $100 million a year, so right. let's give you guys some of that. No, it's not how right. it's going to work. It's going to have to be demanded. But the likeness issue is another piece of this because part of the, one of the, well, the compromise, quote unquote, that have been that talked about is, hey, well, why didn't the NCAA at least let these guys market themselves if schools don't have to pay him, but at least you should be able to go to a car dealership and say, hey, you know, go buy this guy's car or, or you know, appear in commercials in your local market and, and use your, your image, your face to endorse things and get paid for that. Right. The NCAA resists that as well. And that's one of the, the, the things you sign away that they profit on. You know, they can put your picture on something. Um, you know, Nike comes in and can pay the coach to say, hey, you have everybody wear our shoes. <laughs> not the coach wear the shoe, but all the players wear the shoe. Here, coach, you know, here, here's you know a million dollars. Have your team right. wear the shoes, and all of that stuff is funneled to everyone but the people who are creating the value. And Tunde, to your point, the the coaches they'll work you to death because they have oftentimes millions of dollars at stake. The coaches wouldn't work you like that if they were just on scholarship right. and say, hey, yeah, you just yeah. just work, you know, I like what. That's yeah, why I make the plantation a, a level of money. It, it, yeah, tied up right. In. And let, let, let me actually, uh, Tunde, I'm gonna let you, Tunde, I'm gonna let you get in. Uh, but uh, I want to get to a final point to really talk about the quality of education that many actually don't get. Finish up your final point, and then I, and then I'm gonna move to that. Go ahead, Tunde. No, I was just saying that um, that that you know that's why I want to be clear. I mean, I, I'm not making the plantation example from a racial standpoint or anything like that. It's purely about profit, and that's kind of my point, right? That. So was the rate. So, so so was the plantation. By the way, that's the whole purpose of it. But go ahead. <laughs> and, and, that was the purpose. And, and that's why I live in a, By the way, I happen to live in a city called Plantation here in Florida. So that, <laughs> let's not even go there. But but um, just, the, it's a fact. But go ahead. <laughs> but um, but no. The idea is that that you know I think human beings, whether it's you know slavery or any other system, human beings or sweatshops in China. Let's let's just use things that are a little more modern. Human beings will overlook, uh, you know, the, the well-being of their fellow humans if they can profit from it. And, I, and I, I really felt that with some of the coaches I played for. And remember, it's all about the personality of the coach. I played for some great coaches that were great human beings. I played for one coach in particular at one point in my life that was a real POS. You could tell that he was just in this game for his own benefit. And we right. were just tools for him to be leveraged. And it's just, that's why I was saying, I'm glad that the NCAA at least had some rules around it because as a kid that went into college with a single mom who know nothing about sports, we, we didn't really know how to vet the coaches and all that. And especially when you're a kid, you're just excited to get in the game, you know, and go to college and do all that. So, and like anything else, right, the coaches are kind of selling you. So you don't really know what you're in for until you get there. And if you get there and it's one of those guys that's going to drive you to your dead, you know, you, you might just be stuck in that environment. So that's why I kind of feel like, why, you know, my experience of both the good and the bad experiences, but whether they were good or bad, the reality of you're spending four to five hours of your day physically draining yourself right. and then needing 12 hours of sleep, 10 hours of sleep to recover. And then you're supposed to be able to study. Correct. And, That's and, the and point. Actually, you can't be considered move, a normal student. It's right. just and not I wanna, fair. And I want to move to that part because the defense of the NCAA and institutions that defend the current practice is something like this. You have the great opportunity to have a full ride to get a great education, 
Most of the people that participate in organized sports go on to get their degrees. True statements. <clears throat> of course, like every statement, you need to actually look at the details and, and actually look beneath it to see what's there. And what you see is that most of the time, particularly in the sports like uh, football and basketball that are making the money, a lot of people who, who get these degrees get degrees that you, for the most part, aren't as useful. General studies and things that you can't do much with. And they come out and get degrees and, are, and aren't able to get the competitive jobs that are out there. So they end up having less opportunities, though they produce so many things for the school. That's one of my biggest arguments. And they have a let me say this really point. They have a privilege. We talked about privilege in the last show. And some had the point of view that, OK, you have privilege because of the things you've earned. And these student athletes have earned their their right to have some privilege. They've worked very hard on their bodies. They've worked very hard on their craft. And they have, and I know this from being involved in sports. I wasn't that good, but I was in, I was, I was in the room when I heard some coaches talk to some of the better athletes, telling them things like, why are you spending all your time on geometry? You need to just be focused on football. And so they've made sacrifices, I think, wrongfully so. And they get here, they're not actually able to use the privilege that they have earned. Well, that's, that's, yeah. and that's why I feel like, because I saw that too, man, and you're absolutely right about that. I mean, coaches would steer kids to the, to the, to the kind of dumbed down stuff and all that. Um, and that's why I feel like there should be some sort of compensation, but I feel like it should be delayed. Um, meaning, like I said, either in some sort of trust or retirement plan, because I just right. think that because of the fact those kids are being steered in so many directions, they usually have family pressures and all that, that if you give an 18, 19 year old kid, that kind of money at that age, I just think by the time they're 30, it's going to be all squandered. And what do we really do for those kids? You know, like, like there should be something there that they can look forward to. You know, when I'm right. 40, right. I can touch this money. Sure. Let, let, uh, uh, Carlton. 18-year-old uh, professional athletes? Should professional athletes who, who make a lot of money not be? Well, I, I, so here, that's an interesting point. So here's where I'll disagree. Because they are truly professionals, number one. Number two, we know the type of money that is in professional sports. It's, it's, it's pretty close. Yes. Oh, wait, wait. Yeah. Actually, that's so look at the look at the Duke North Carolina game. Those those ticket prices were approaching the Super Bowl. The numbers are pretty comparable. Carlton, wait, you want to say something? Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, tune in. Let me get Carlton in. Go ahead. Right. Now, just going back to, to what Rob was saying a second ago and, and really – this boils down to, again, um, the future of these young people, these students. Um, and, and, you know, again, I want to say college uh, and university is overrated now. It is not like it was in the 80s or the 90s or before. Um, so so uh, you're already being sold a dream saying that there's this great benefit in you getting a college education. There's not. Straight up, there's not. You're, and so when, you're play, when these kids are playing sports, uh, I think people need to be more open to the reality of the world these days. Are you better off busting your ass or maybe wasting your time all day working for these coaches, doing two-a-days, then barely making your way through school and going to work for Enterprise Rent-A-Car, which is where I saw a ton of football players and athletes going you know, after school. Is, is Enterprise hurts Rent-A-Car literally from, you know, from being the man – to running and cleaning cars in a suit. Right. But, but why do you, but, but, but in fairness, right. Still, most of those jobs require you to have a degree. One, two people with privilege and money and wealth, just like we talked about earlier are paying access to getting to college. It must be something yeah, valuable yeah. about, check about getting to college. Back to, to both of your points. Okay. Yeah. So enterprise rent a car might require a college degree. Who cares? 
do the math. The same thing for these kids who are getting the benefit of their parents paying. Maybe you should give that $40,000 to your kid and buy him a van and let him start a car wash business where he'll be making $150,000 his first or second year cash and going from there. Who's really better off? And so that's the conversation we need to be having. I know we're talking about NCAA and, and the rules and requirements, but the, also the bigger picture here is that they're lying in the first place by saying that there's this great benefit to having college education. There's not. A lot of the time for many people, especially the people who are being pushed to these programs that are athletes, college really probably isn't for them. Well, and I'm, they would be much better off. They'd be much better off if, you know, Joe, the football player is like, hmm, let me go start Joe's landscaping business and become a millionaire by the time I'm 30 instead of wasting my time listening to some dumbass coach who doesn't care about my future, promising me this piece of paper that doesn't get me shit, but running around and cleaning cars in my suit or whatever other jobs are being offered out of school. James, these guys, these guys aren't just athletes. They're entertainers. They're on television. And again, that's the, that's the line I draw is television is marketing, excuse me, merchandising and things like that. I would argue that if you're not in a sport that's that, that you're getting television contracts and things like that, I don't think that you you would rightfully be paid in, in that sense. Now I do think you should be able to capitalize on your likeness no matter what, but to me, if the money is being made and the school is not generating that money, it's no action on the school that's making that money. The television rating when Duke, North Carolina, when Zion Williamson plays is because of Zion Williamson. Everybody's promoting it. Duke is promoting it. North Carolina is promoting it. Everybody's promoting it. That is the star. That's the star of the television show. And, and if that right. person was an 18-year-old who, who was just on, a, on, a, on any other television show, they would get paid. And the other thing about this is that you have – People want to say, okay, yeah, you get the benefit of education and stuff like that, so you should be able to forego all this other stuff. Well, you know what? If they were a musician and they were a, a savant and they were in college and had a scholarship because they were that great as a musician, they could go do other stuff and still make money. And they wouldn't like, oh, you gotta, you're off the band now or you're out of the orchestra. They can go do it. It's only these revenue-driving sports where they're really trying to control these guys and say, hey, I'm going to make all the money off of you. You don't get to make any of it. Or even well-meaning people say, hey, you can make the money, but we won't give it to you yet. Like, is this America? This sounds like not a market system to me. This doesn't sound like a system where people can, right. can capitalize on their benefits. If you're a tennis player, you can make a lot of money that early. If you're a golf player, you can make a lot of money that early. And again, if you're, if you're bringing eyeballs to TVs, then you should make some money on Right. Well, I'm going to end up, we're going to, we're going to conclude on this point. I want to say that I think our education system is broken. The fact that we have these kids focus on uh, sports more than education is the problem. Uh, education is still important. I still think it's important. It's not the end all be all. There are many ways to have an education. You can get a good trade job. You can do lots of things, but you have to have some knowledge and college is still very beneficial. All of us here went to college. It helps you develop a network if you use it properly. So there are some advantages, but these kids are exploited. They are all their lives geared to focus on sports. They get to college and most of them do very well in college in terms of performing for their school. But then when they come out, oftentimes they're not left with a lot of good prospects. And for everything they gave to the school, how much money was made, I think more should be given. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if it's a direct salary. I don't know if it's unionization. I do know that the current environment, from my perspective, is not working for the players, but it is working for the multinational corporations. It is working for ESPN, but it's not working for everybody else. I'm Rob Richardson. I'm your moderator. And I'm James Keys. I'm Tunde Ogunlana. And I'm Carl Washington. Well, you know, any of us would do anything for our kids. And you want to make sure your kids are successful. You want to get them into college. So 
it's no wonder that parents do what all, you know, everything they can. They provide the best resources. You get the best tutors. Nothing wrong with that. But, you know, you can sometimes take that a little bit overboard. And that's what's happened recently. If you've been following the news, uh, you know that there's a massive college scandal involving multiple colleges, involving multiple parents. And involving, get this, $25 million, one person, a middleman, was paid $25 million to help kids get into college. This wasn't an ordinary, normal college scheme or anything normal to get your kids in, because there actually are legal ways to kind of get your kids access. But no, for some reason, they had to go and take a few steps here. Not only did they cheat on the tests, uh, they also made up disabilities to, to get more time. They had people take the tests that, that, uh, that actually weren't the person. They, had, they made fake profiles of the people. They had people cheat on the tests. They went through all types of levels of access. They paid administrators. They paid coaches. And they didn't stop there. What's unique is we're used to hearing scandals uh, with, with college students, particularly it usually has something to do with recruiting of college athletes. So that's not anything that would surprise anybody. But what you usually don't hear is pretending to be a college athlete and then not even playing the sport. That's what these parents did. You had one parent, we had one set of parents that paid nearly a half a million dollars to get their kid into a school. Like, I, look, I really don't understand this, but this is what happens when you have privilege, when you have wealth, and your connections just get you to believing that you can do whatever you want. The rules don't matter. It doesn't, you don't even have to play the game anymore when you have enough money. At least that's what they thought. Problem is, they got caught. And now the FBI is, has a case against multiple parents. And multiple people will likely be going to jail. So this is where, it, this is where we find ourselves dealing with privilege in a, in a situation where you let your privilege get in the way of common sense. So much so, this is stupid. I don't even understand this, but I actually want to hear from you guys about this. What's your personal perspective? Do you consider this to be privilege? I mean, what do you actually make of this story? I, I would like to – I'd be surprised if this wasn't James's response, but uh, I'm not going to speak for him. Uh, this, <laughs> the first thing that came to my mind about this is what's so surprising about this is uh, this is to be expected. Uh, I, 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 nepotism and, and, and other benefits when it comes to uh, college entry have always been around. A favoritism, like you said, legal ways. I'm sure you're talking about donations to the schools and all these other different – workarounds to get into school are, yeah, are available. Yeah. So um, I don't see why it's so surprising. I'm really kind of concerned that the FBI is spending their time and resources investigating this type of thing when there's so much other more serious crimes going on. I completely agree with you that it's stupid because uh, let me tell you something. Um, college education these days is extremely overrated uh, most of the times unless you're going into certain professions. So why pay for that? Why not start your kid a business? Um, but at the same time, I also think that the parents should be immune from any type of repercussion from this because, like you said, as a parent, we do anything for our kids. And so it's not their fault. I mean, we're just doing whatever people, parents, we will just do whatever it takes to get our kids ahead. And so I don't think they should be blamed for that. I don't think um, Becky should go to jail. And uh, now You don't think Aunt should, Becky should go to jail, huh? You're for Aunt Becky. Becky, <laughs> Becky stays. But Free the Becky. schools now, whatever administrators, uh, coaches, anybody involved with the school – who took money for this, that they got to pay. And let's, I mean, hey, if FBI wants to waste their time with this, let's just go down the rabbit hole and see how long it's been going on and how many schools have participated so we can all get our freaking money back. Um, you know, <laughs> all this stuff was going on. You know, uh, tons of people out there with these degrees are, are will tell you they're hurting. 
student loans and all this type of stuff and, and missed opportunities. So, you know, let's, let's see where this goes in that direction. Let's, let's, let's shine a light on, on these fake institutions and fake processes and, and fake promises and get our money back or get some repercussions on them. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Carlton did come and steal my thunder. You know, that was the first part of my take for sure is, hey, what's the surprise here? We know this goes on all the time. I'll tell you this, what stood out to me was that these are actually the people who aren't really that privileged. Like the people who really do play this game, they're playing in the million, they, they get buildings named after them and then their kids go to the school. Or they're playing in a whole nother league. These guys are trying to skirt it with 10 grand or 20 grand or even 100 grand and they can't play in that game. And so that's why they're bribing coaches and, and trying to get some little kid or some, some teenager to take a test for their kids or something like that. Um, this is like the, 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 the lowbrow you know, the, the guys who wish they had the privilege trying to make it happen for their kids. Now, I do think the parents should have to pay. Um, now, granted, I'm sensitive to the fact that, yeah, I would do a lot for my kids also. But in the same way that if somebody steals bread to feed their kids, while we understand they still have to, to pay for that, there's still repercussions for that because we can't we can't just turn right. it over and say, hey, whatever you do for your kids, it's immunity. So but yeah, that what, what stood out to me on this is just more so that the, the, the game that's being played here is like small potatoes, you know, and the, the, the guy who got all the money for it is really just preying on. He's not going to billionaires doing this game. He's going to the people that the, the wannabes. Right. No, that, I think that's true. Tunde, what's your perspective? Let me jump in here because I just to to add and, and not really correct it, but add to it. Some of the people that I saw on the list were uh, very high net worth people. I mean, you had the guy that was a CEO of PIMCO funds, which I think is like two trillion in assets under management. So you had some. People that were higher net worth, I think it's interesting because I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the contrarian to both my boys here for the first time on our podcast. Not, and, and this is an interesting thing because I think we have two different things here. You've got one that's kind of just the ethical thing of being a parent and um, I guess acting in a way that I think most of us wouldn't want our kids to act, you know, doing something underhand and, and kind of going around the system. But then you have the other issue. I agree with you, Jimmy, like... Uh, you know, I kind of thought in my head, like, what happened in the old school way of just, like you said, donating a couple hundred grand to the medical school or the stadium being built that or something got like in. that. And, but the difference, what I realized, because um, I've been around families like that. Let's just leave it at that. And my point is, is they make the donation and it's more the kind of regular old school way of, of pay to play of their kind of kid just gets ahead in the line of admissions, maybe. But the kid was already had the grades and the GPA and all that to kind of be in college. I think what I saw when I was reading about this particular scandal, what struck me was these kids all had like, like 1.0 GPAs. That's why the parents went through this really kind of twisting themselves in pretzels and doing all this behind the scenes stuff and paying all this money. I'm talking, we're talking about the, the parents that paid um, 500,000. There were others that paid over a million dollars. And that's because their kids were such bad students and druggies and all, all that stuff in high school that they had to pay this level of money get, to get them in. And like you're saying, because well, that's of such a the, disservice too to your kids. And it? it's such a disservice to your kid to do that. Yeah, I, I agree. But, but, but here's where the loophole really comes through. It's the NCAA side to what you guys talked about, because I played NCAA basketball. And the NCAA, the, the primary rules are you have to have a 2.0 GPA and a certain score in, um, in your SAT, and that's it. There's none of the other stuff where you got to show you did extracurricular. So what they were doing was pretending that these kids were going to go on teams like the rowing team, the archery team, the, the javelin team, whatever. Obviously, it wasn't 
basketball, football, the major sports, that it would have been obvious that that kid's not at that level. And so I just feel like there's a lot of us, like all of us on this podcast that came from kind of just normal middle class or upper middle class families that we had to study and work hard. And this is an example that those that have enough means were able to kind of skirt around the system. And then the other thing to the point about the FBI being involved, this is another area that it was a, this was a very unique and actually smart scam until it wasn't smart because they got caught. Yeah. The guy had no, a non-profit and where the FBI gets involved is because of the tax fraud. These donations were made to a nonprofit. So that half million for the example of, I think it was, um, the last name was Lachlan, the, the, the actress from Full House. She took a tax deduction for that kind of contribution. But it, it, here's so the now it's kind of like they're bad. Right. But it's also that's stupidity. That's why the FBI gets involved because it's tax fraud at the end of the day as well. Right. So it's like, like a said, double whammy to the system. No, I agree. But like, 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 like James said earlier, though, the, I actually think had they donated that money directly to the university, unless the kids' grades were absolutely horrible, they still find a way to work with you. Because if you give a few hundred thousand dollars, you know, they'll say, oh, she's got a podcast. We need some diversity. I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> Look, I, I've worked. I've seen admissions. I've seen how it plays out. They will find they're not going to tell you that directly. But I think there's a there's a lack of sophistication with not understanding that how this actually works. You don't have to set up a fake nonprofit actually give to the nonprofit, the school. So this is like (laughs) this is stupid. Like this was really, really, really stupid. That's number one. Was that? But what about the idea? Because I also think, look, we shouldn't blame the kids. I, I look at this as. I think this is another example. This might be a little bit kind of off the direct topic, but it's like the idea of people wanting to keep up with the Joneses. I feel like these parents, because they had the means and they were in that kind of, that, that certain kind of elite right. society, when you look at the schools that this, that, that, that this was done with, it was Yale, USC, Harvard, you know, Wake Forest, schools that They're good, are great traditionally schools. kind of the upper class schools. So yeah. It's almost like I feel like they were like parents that were like, well, I didn't push my kid and discipline them to study, but I also don't want to be at the dinner party and make it look like my kid's a loser that they didn't get into college. Which is so horrible I'm going to do parenting. everything I can behind the scenes to right. push my kid into college when they didn't earn it. Right. So but it's that's almost like the narcissism of the parents now has created this mess. And they're hurting their kids. Like I look, I, I look at this and say, you're, 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 you're setting your kids up, making them feel as if they have earned this. They're going to this situation thinking that they have, and they're going to, for the rest of their life, feel like they are better than they actually are. And, and, and if you actually want to build character, making sure your kids struggle a little bit, making sure they, they understand they have to actually earn things in life, they will become better people, build better character. This is not the way you do it. This is horrible parenting. That's what I think. Yeah, it's oh, going to it hurt the kids big time. And, and, uh, and the thing is, is what happens? So you got them in. What the hell happens once they're in? I mean, school's not easy, man. I mean, then what? You, you got to pay every year. You got to, you know, pay every professor. That's exactly it. That, that's the setup is that you're, you're, it's a crutch that becomes something that you have to keep pulling out for your kid. Some parents are able to do that all the way and take their kid all the way to the top, you know, like to, to where the kid inherits all this money. Some parents, you know, they just try to do as much as they can. But the disservice, the primary disservice, I, I, I don't blame the kids, but I also don't make a martyr out of the kids. The, the disservice here is to society at large. Those are spots yeah. that could have went to deserving students. I think that's let's actually pick up on that point a little bit, uh, James, while you're on it. Think about there's only so many uh, spots that are actually available 
in, in, in these elite colleges. And, you know, these students replace others who were way more deserving. If, if Tunde, you said some of them had a 1.0, I mean, they're not even going to last at the school, but yet they took someone else's place that worked hard. What do we say to, you know, whoever it is in middle America, whoever it was from the hood, say, if you work hard, do everything right, you're going to have every opportunity. That's not true because you can buy your opportunities. I don't think people really expect that this day and age. People do expect people who have greater some means do. and, and some wealth. Believe, some people believe the dream. I, 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 there are a lot of people that I think maybe conveniently, maybe there's some cognitive dissonance there, but they understand that wealthy people get benefits and breaks that they don't. Um, privilege yeah. is not something that blinds people. People see the privilege that happens in our society. Now, that doesn't mean we should accept it, but it's something that happens. Now, in this case, it comes to light and we handle it. We deal with it. I don't know that there should be surprise, but I, that doesn't mean I don't think we should accept it. Our society can do better and we should do better. Um, and, and like I said, I don't have any sympathy here from the standpoint, this was just sloppy. Like they were doing this in a way it's like, well, you're not teaching your kid how to, to overcome adversity. You're not teaching your kid dedication, things like that. You're just trying to put them in there. They're unlikely to succeed. And then they, they're in that, at least that, that initial piece. And then they're taking a spot from somebody who's worked very hard and, and then therefore is going to have to get bumped down. And, and that's not something that, that that's not proportional to the effort that they put into, into it. Yeah. And, and the piggyback of what Jimmy says, this is what I'm trying to understand. Because, you know, we, we, we're always going back and forth on these hot topics, especially like, you know, my favorite person, AOC. And, uh, you know, uh, that's your girl, man. You love some AOC. You yeah, love her. Today. But my point is, is like like Jimmy said, first of all, what do people think people want to get wealthy and rich for? You know, I mean, all it seems like everyone's trying to attack the benefits of what comes along with the American dream. And that American dream really is privileges, access. Um, whatever it is that money can buy. So why is it that people are so surprised? Like, what did you think that you were trying to get rich for? Just so you could just, you know, swim around your money like, you know, Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> I mean, people want to get rich so they, think, you know, stuff, so they can use stuff, so they can have things. I don't. Yeah, so. Do you want to give your kids an undeserved benefit, though? I mean, to a level of, you want to get them? No. Because I don't wouldn't want to do it. Yeah. I, I would help my kids. I would help them in every way I could, teach them to work hard. But I'm not going to just I'm not going to give them uh, so much help that I think it disables them to be a strong person, which I think that's what these parents are doing. Exactly. Boca Raton, Florida, right next to Delray Beach, Florida. And we are known in this community for doing that. And I'll tell you where that leads. It leads to rehab or to death. You know, Um, when you're just messing your kids up doing that. You are hurting the kids. You're hindering the kids. Uh, statistically speaking, those kids never make it or, or amount to anything but drug addicts usually or something subpar mediocre. And so, yeah, it's a huge dis- disadvantage to the children. Um, but at the same time, I mean, I, I don't think the parents are, are liable and that benefit, I'm sure they, they appreciate that benefit being there for their hard work. Now, now, why do you think the parents aren't liable? Because it's like, you know, when you go in and you give to a fake nonprofit and you bribe coaches and you bribe admission officers directly like this is not like this was kind of stupid like they could have no it wasn't kind of stupid it was really stupid that that's one but two I like to talk about the privilege part that you just brought up Carlton because you know I actually have some issue with privilege too in terms of you know you've been able to get into a school just because you're rich and no and and like nothing else and you get to take someone else's spot and this can be done in a legal way Uh, when I think about how much of a big deal affirmative action has been made of 
And this makes it look rather silly because I've never seen legally right now since the beginning of the, of the foundation of this republic, you are able to get into all these Ivy League schools because of what's called legacy admissions, which means that if your parents went there, you can go there. That, that's what that means. I, I find that way more offensive than something like, uh, you know, gender equality or even affirmative action, which I think is not perfect. But when you look at something like this, I've never, at least somebody can point it out to me, I've never seen a lawsuit dealing with legacy admissions because the wealthy or the powerful get into a school. I could be wrong, but I've never seen that. This is one of those topics I think that I just look at it in a very simple way. I don't wait in lines when I go out. When I go out, I go straight to the front door. I take out some cash and I say, hey, I don't want to wait in this line. Here's some right. cash. Get me in now. Okay, sir. Let's go. We're in. That's life, man. And you know what? I work really hard to be able to make that happen. So this is no different than that. Um, and so, But you earn those benefits. You think your kids should be able to pay and get a line? I mean, no, that's what I'm going to do. I don't think the kids earned it. Go ahead, ahead Tunday. I don't think the kids earned it, but I do think the parents have, if they work for their money, also have earned the right to ask. And so, I mean, sure. who would have thought that the freaking feds would be involved in this? You know, because they, re- they were really, they were stupid. That's why they got involved. They didn't, they, they didn't know how to follow the normal rules. Go ahead, Tunde. Let me chime in. Cause I think we're talking about kind of two separate things at the same time. Um, Cause you're right, Rob, there's the legacy program at the Ivy leagues, but at the end of the day, I mean, look, I'm sure guys got into school because their parents that maybe not deserved it in the last 100, 150 years of, you know, Yale and Harvard. So I'm not going to sit here and say I know every case. But in general, the idea is that the legacy is really about your kid still qualifies to go to college, meaning they had a 2.8 or a 3.5 or something like that in high school that they showed their competency. I'm with Carlton on that. If I'm wealthy and I made a lot of money, I do. I don't have a problem with paying for my kid to get in the front of the line, but I'm the type of parent that my kid will still have a 3.5 or 4.0 because I'm a pain in the ass dad. And I make sure my kids read. (laughs) I make sure they do their homework. What the difference with this case was, it seems that this whole scandal was put together specifically for these families who had like jackass kids, that they weren't doing their job at home during the upper, you know. Or they were bad parents. They could be bad parents that didn't hold their kids accountable. I keep going back to the parents more than the kids. Bad parents, but because I don't know the family situation, but. God, the kids jackasses. <laughs> bad parents, but you're going to. I'm just. Look, jackass kids. Just for the purpose. Like the kids but, are kids. No, but, but I'm just saying this, though. There's a lot of wealthy families that I know that they are you know, strict with their kids, with homework and all that, and the kids have good grades. I got no problem with them making a donation or doing something. I completely agree. Getting to the head of the line. That's life, and I agree with Carlton on that. What I'm saying is I agree with with Rob, too, that the sloppy nature of this is what led to the FBI specifically because this is just what I do. This is really was tax fraud and tax evasion investigation because you had a fake nonprofit and these people, yeah. think about it. This guy took $25 million in donations that that $25 million wasn't taxed. So let's just assume they're all high net worth people. And until 2017, the top tax bracket was 39%. So let's just assume 39% of that $25 million would have gone to the IRS and the U.S. Treasury and would have funded our government. I'm not here to argue about taxes. I'm just making the point. That's probably why the FBI came in, because this was a tax fraud case. If I, if I can shift the conversation a little bit, James, you want to say something quickly? 
Yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think the taxes are what they're after. I think that this this stuff from a societal standpoint, this is wrong. Now, granted, as a parent, I can understand why they did, did it. And I d- actually don't believe you guys when you say, well, Tunde didn't say this, but I don't believe you guys when you say that you wouldn't try to push your kid forward, even if they weren't totally deserving of it. Like, I think that I believe it when I see it with that. Like, that's a difficult spot to be in for a parent. You know, you Coming might not have house, been perfect bro. the whole time. Uh, well, you said you you said that you 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 um you I would get point out, yeah, but I mean, so, it's, yeah. those are easy. Basically, my point is those are easy things to say from afar without being in that situation. No, so that, that that's I, very true. I, that's I, true. I the parent, and the, th- this is right to go after these parents, but I I can still understand why they did it and say, yeah, like that. I, that is why people like to make a lot of money is so that they can skirt the the the, the rules. But and the so real problem, you get caught. You get caught. Like you that's get it. Caught. That's how it but goes. The, the real problem I see with this, if I have to, if I have to really narrow it down, is you know legacies aren't going away, but what we need to address is that there's a limited there's limited opportunities. Uh, education used to be more accessible. Education used to be more affordable. It's becoming less so day in and day out, and it's something that has to be addressed. And this just this is a microcosm that shows an example of how out of whack we really are. That's what I think. That's just my perspective. Probably small potatoes, though, this particular instance, this practice in general. The practice, I'm saying, this is an example of the practice. Practice has always been going on. This isn't a new practice. This isn't like, oh, now we're doing this. Now this is happening. It may have been worse in the past. You know, so from the standpoint, again, from a societal standpoint, I think it's wrong. I think it's bad. We have to stop the cheaters, you know, period. You know, like we can't let people just cheat with impunity. But at the same time, you, the impulse is always going to be there. When you do very well, you're not just, again, you're not trying to just swim in your money like Scrooge McDuck. You're trying to use that thing to make your life and your family's life better. And if that's how these people think they can make their kids' life better, that's what they're going to do. And it, it, hey, maybe the, it doesn't work. Maybe the kids end up in a worse place because you didn't teach them things like responsibility and consequence and come over, no, overcoming. They're going to be paying for it for the rest of their life. But They're going to just be paying for them. We see people in business. We see people in government right now that had the silver spoon their whole life and that were always shielded from failure. Which I they, think is causing, it's, it's causing major problems. I agree. Like, I mean, you're, uh, you're kind of proving my point. Let's, let's, let's touch on that because I think that might be why this story resonates right now. Like maybe 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, it might have not have been as big of a deal, but I think you're right, um, and I'm definitely, you know, we're not going to take it here to talk about necessarily the administration directly, but if we look at just two people in the administration kind of ether, who I would say are someone like Jared and Ivanka, I'm not here to knock them because I don't know them and I don't know what their smarts or not are, but we know that for the role that they seem to be playing, especially Jared Kushner as kind of the Middle East envoy and almost like an ambassador, I'm not sure as a 35, 36-year-old guy going to the White House with zero experience except for his family's real estate business, if that was enough experience to qualify him to be negotiating with Saudi Arabia, China, all these different countries. I'm going to go ahead and say no. And, and no, but that's my point. So I think that we're between that, kind of the Me Too stuff, all this stuff going on, I think this is just another example of the culture identifying that there's a different lane for certain people of wealth that the rest of us aren't really in that lane. And it's interesting, before we got on this podcast, I was watching the news about the Paul Manafort sentencing today. And what they had talked about was the prison for which his lawyers had asked him to go to. And again, I got no problem with, with, with kind of any of this stuff in general, but it was just interesting to hear it that the prison 
was the same prison that Jack Abramoff and some guy that, that Clinton pardoned and, you know, kind of like the welfare prison club fed type of thing where there's no barbed wire, no fences. They get, the families get to stay in housing nearby, which I guess is paid by the taxpayer, which is interesting. Their commissary includes um, French vanilla latte choices, racquetballs, all that kind of stuff. They have to wear a green uniform from Monday to Friday, but but on weekends they wear what they want. Privilege is nice when you get it. I I mean, I think your point is well made, though. But Uh, that's my point. The only thing that they have to deal with is a 6 a.m. wake-up and a 4 p.m. check-in. That's it. And I thought to myself, but these guys were convicted of crimes. So is that fair? But there was white-collar crimes. Remember, we we treat white-collar crimes different from street crimes as if... No, but but Rob... I know guys that did white collar crimes that went to regular prisons and they didn't get that. I'm talking about guys that got fined by the SEC. They got found guilty of embezzling money, just regular white collar crimes, but they didn't get that option. They still went to a state or, or, or federal penitentiary. These guys, because they have the option because of, I guess, the ability to hire the right legal teams, they get a different type of prison system. So I think that's kind of what's coming out now is, there's this second lane for yeah. certain people. And it's not even just wealthy. It's just this difference with like wealthy. Well, and- right. And I actually want to wrap up your point too. And it's a good, it's a great point. I actually think this is why people love ALC and are, are, are starting to think about socialism. It's also why Trumpism is there. People are frustrated about how the system is working. And uh, James, you might be right that people know that there's privilege out there, but they feel it more than they ever have and feel like the, the privileged are becoming more privileged and those who don't have means, it's harder for them uh, to be able to succeed and actually achieve that American dream that we were all told was possible. Let me, let me just put a disclaimer. I'm not with AOC. I'm with the call today. <laughs> <laughs> and Rob, you know, what I keep on hearing, what I keep on hearing, and we brought this up before, what I'm hearing is that people are complacent and don't want to work anymore. If you, so check this out. If you see that there's well, this great said, amount yeah. of, if, there, if there's a great amount of benefits over here with these people you're talking about, they get to pay for their kids to go to school. They get better treatment even when they go to prison. They get nicer cars, nicer food. Why aren't people thinking like, hey, I like that. Like that looks good to me. How did those people get there? And maybe like maybe I should work hard or try you know put myself out of my comfort zone and challenge myself to get on this side of the fence. Now, I'm not talking about necessarily Paul Manafort. I'm about to say, there's a lot of the Paul Manaforts in the world, though, that cheated their way there, so that's important. I mean, okay, look, they're let me clarify, their way though, there. but let me just say that we're talking about the benefits of having wealth privilege and, privilege and wealth that come with it. So why aren't people, including this AOC woman and all her little fans, saying, hmm, maybe I should work a little harder and bust my ass and figure out how to get over here and not be like everybody else, like everybody else did in history, whoever got from there to here, especially in the United States of America, where that is a true opportunity. That's, I think that. that's a very naive point of view. Like, so you're saying that they, like the way capitalists make, get ahead is by, on the backs of other people, on the backs of labor. So you're saying they should, be, they should start exploiting people so that they can really get ahead. They should start taking advantage of people so that they can get ahead. We're reading about Wells Fargo and all the stuff they were doing. Hey, they did very well as far as, but they were defrauding people. Is that what people should be doing? People want to work no, an honest think- People want to work an honest living and be be remunerated in a, in exactly, a fair way, exactly. and that's We're not happening. I agree. I, that's what that's I what the Square Deal was about. The Square yep, Deal was about that. The New Deal was about that, and this Green New Deal. I don't know if they're borrowing the words, but it's about people want to want to work an honest job and get treated fairly. That's what's not happening. That's what you I, end up creating. I mean, what I think is, I think people want to clock in and clock out and go home. If that's what you mean by honest living, 
What I'm seeing is mass complacency, mass laziness, uh, a lack of drive. So no, I'm not telling people to go out and do anything corrupt. What I'm telling you is go out and start a car wash business, go out and start a landscaping business, right. go out and, and start whatever and bust your ass, you know? And well, your I, I, I think yeah. Americans work very hard, Carlton, though. Like there's, but few things, only a few people can own the business. If, if everybody was the owner, there'd be no workers. One, two, productivity is actually at an all time high, but what's not is actually the value that labor is getting back. So I think people are seeing this collectively. Lots of people are working very hard. Yes, there are some people that are exploiting the system. They ever at, have. That's what productivity means. Product, yes. People are working harder than they ever have. And that, that, that's, that's, a, that's, that, that's a fact. People are. Those are numbers. Those are numbers. Those are numbers. Those, aren't, those are numbers. All and they're not getting the same return. When they're underwear working harder than people ever have before, all these yes. remote workers. They're more productive. Yeah, they're more productive. They're more productive. They and, produce and, more. And, and, and they, they get, get less wage because. We're talking two, two different things, though, because, uh, look, I agree with you, Carlton, on just the general idea of people being complacent and people needing right. to work hard. But I think that's just been throughout history, right? Exactly. Like, it's like the 80-20 rule. You've got 20% of the people probably producing 80% of the output. Um, but I think just this particular topic that we started on with this college thing and maybe like the Manafort, um, specifically the prison choices he's getting as another example, is that it's, it's, it's like beyond just regular people with wealth that, that, have, that, have, that have done well for themselves and their ability to, to, to use that wealth to maybe leverage some benefits. Because I... Right. There's nothing wrong I do that. that myself personally in, in different ways, so I can't be a hypocrite and say that's wrong. But I think that the difference between these type of things is that it's almost like a, a grift or a cronyism way of doing it. Like, that's what I mean. Like, when I realize, or maybe it's just because what I do for a profession, when I realized that these guys were in, in this college thing were in, engaged in kind of tax fraud, right. that's when I was like, all right, this is, like you said, Rob, this is just sloppy. Like, what happened to just writing a check for 200 grand to the medical school of the university and just saying, hey, they want to skip those steps because they got no, 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 I, I, people are just madder about this now. Like that, that is real. People are madder. I agree. You got a president uh, that was elected 19 years ago that people said this same kind of stuff about as far as, oh, he, he really didn't qualify to go to the schools that he went to or to do the things that he did. But people were, weren't that upset about it. People are more upset because they're making less for the same right. amount of work or for more work. And, and honestly, Carlton, you, I think Tunde, you guys are both right. People have always been this, in this mentality. The, the, the mass will never be the entrepreneurial. The entrepreneurial is, is going to be more the exception. But and the, the, you built the greatest middle class in the history of the world, even with that, because you gave workers a fair Correct. deal. Correct. And now workers don't get a fair deal. You're saying, hey, I want all of you guys to be exceptional in order to get average return. And that's, that's the structural problem. That's, people feel that. The people yep. on the left and the people on the right are mad about the same thing. Yep. They just, don't, they just don't know it. They haven't come to that realization. We got to get ready to wrap up. That's a really good way to wrap it up. All I'll say is that, you know, this is this is showing that the system's not working. I believe capitalism can work, but only when we create more value than we seek to capture. And that only works when the government is working on behalf of the people, not just the few. I'm Rob Richardson. Thank you so much for joining us on Disruption Now. We'll see you next time. 